Thanks, Reg. Thanks, worship team. Good morning. Um, I want to echo what Kevin said a little while ago. Um, I'm Derek Slayball. I happen to work for the factory, but I, I get to be here today just because I love Jesus and I love talking about him, so I think that's kind of cool. Um, but I wanted to thank publicly Grace Point Church for their involvement in the Together Initiative and being a partner with us in the Run, Ride, Walk, Scoot yesterday. I get excited when I see snapshots of people who wouldn't normally come together and hang out. So maybe you weren't on one of the 12 courts playing volleyball yesterday, but there was lots of you there uh, just being a part of a community day and just doing something that's great. Um, and all the funds raised through the Run, Ride, Walk, Scoot yesterday are going to go directly back into our community. So um, as a member and attender here, I just... I'm just beaming with pride, and I just wanted to say thank you uh, for what you guys do and what you do continually. It wasn't just yesterday. I know that so many people here dedicate a ton of time uh, to working for the Together Initiative, so thank you uh, for that. Um, I would also be remiss if I didn't start this morning mentioning it's Father's Day, so happy Father's Day to fathers who are here. Um, you guys are great. Uh, I appreciate fathers so much. But I would also... Uh, I don't want to miss the fact that Father's Day isn't always just joy for people. Uh, there are people in this congregation who are missing a dad, who are missing a spouse, who are missing a grandpa. Um, I'm fortunate. I, I just am. I still have both my grandpas. I got my dad, and I've got great kids. Um, but I, I recognize that not everybody's there this morning. And so I'm just going to take... A minute, and I would just like to pray uh, for those of you who this day is a little bit harder than for the rest of us. So just pray with me quick. Heavenly Father, <laughs> thank you for being an incredible dad. Lord, I lift up my friends who today is a struggle for them. Um, they're grieving, they're missing. Uh, a person, somebody who meant something dear to them. And so, Lord, we just lift them up and, and we, we place them ever so gently at your feet. And, and I'm excited, God, for the way that you're just going to wrap them up. Uh, you are the Heavenly Father. You're the one, uh, you're the model whom us dads try and, and push hard after, the great way to, to love and to show mercy and to show compassion, but also to show discipline. Um, so, God, we, just, we, we lay those people at your feet, those who are hurting today. Um, we hand them over to you. We thank you for being a perfect, loving father. Amen. Um, so, yeah, it, it is Father's Day, and uh, I would like to publicly acknowledge the fact that I am wearing a tie this morning that has meat all over it. Um, so not only am I wearing a tie, which is exciting enough, and I saw several people give me funny eyes when I walked in with a tie, but I'm also wearing a tie that is covered in meat. And this is because my children know me super well, my wife, and my children know me super-duper well. And so for Father's Day this morning, I got a tie. And if you find me after service, I'll even show you the cool thing that it does because it might play music too. Um, so this is just the joys of being a dad. Being, being a dad is, is exciting and it's fun. It's like you're the, usually, I'll speak for myself, I'm the quirkiest person in my own home. Um, my kids know it. My wife knows it. I get away with more goofiness just because I'm dad and they think that I'm ridiculous sometimes. So ties with meat that play music end up on my dinner table uh, Father's Day morning. Um, but I, I love being a dad. It's, it's rewarding. It's difficult. Um, if you are one, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Any, any parent knows this. It's the most challenging but rewarding thing you will ever do. Um, when they're small, their problems seem to be more uh, frequent 
and but maybe not as, as of much magnitude. So there's frequent diapers and there's frequent bodily functions that you don't feel like dealing with after a while. Um, as they get older, those dilemmas lessen, but the magnitude of the choices they can make becomes larger and larger and larger. If, if you don't have kids yet who are in the, the teenage years, I oof, pray for you now. Get ready. Um, I've been through a few of these already, and, and like I said, the problems just become uh, less frequent, but, a, but of larger magnitude. Um, so I, I, I love being a dad, but there's something... And my kids are in the audience, so I'm just going gonna, gonna to go for this. There's something that I want my kids to know as, uh, as, as I do life with them. And that is, and I'm sorry to say this, guys, I'm not perfect. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm just not. Um, you know, the, as dads, we hold so much power. It, it's, it's crazy to think about. You realize as your kids are growing up um, that what you say, you might not think they're paying attention to. They are. Um, I see it in my boys all the time. Some things that I, I wish I hadn't just done, they're, not, they're now picking up on. And um, I, I wield this mighty sword. And so I, I have to be careful what I'm doing. And, and so for me, one of the things I, I want them to recognize is don't put all your hope in me. Like, I, I, I want to do well. I do. I, I want to do really well at being a dad. But, but if, if your hope is that as your dad, I'm going to be perfect and I'm going to do everything right all the time, I'm going to let you down. And that's, that's disappointing, and I, I wish I didn't have to say that, but it's just the truth, because here's what, here's what it is. What you put your hope in, it, it matters. I mean, unmet expectations, hopes that you have that are unmet, if you're moving in this direction, you're hoping for something with all your might over here, and, and then it doesn't happen, that pendulum swings so far in the opposite direction, it's painful. And, and this stuff happens to us in any, any number of ways. We might, in our mind right now, be thinking of something that we've put our hope in moving forward. And maybe, maybe it's a job. And you said, if I could just get this job, if I could just, just change this career, then things would be great. And maybe you've been there, maybe you've made that change, and you're two, four, six months in, you're like, ah, this is not what I thought it was going to be. And now my hope that I put this in has let me down. It's come crashing back to earth again. Maybe it's a relationship. Uh, maybe it's a dating relationship. Maybe it's your marriage. Let's just be real here. Maybe you put all your hope in the fact that if I could just marry the right person, I'd be better, and life would be perfect. And then, sorry, I, you know, maybe you're not married. Maybe you're holding out hope. I, I, I firmly doubt that'll be the case. Marriage isn't going to fix whatever you're going through. Maybe you think when you have kids. Maybe you think when you get that raise. Maybe you think when you get to buy that house. But... I'm here to tell you that unless you put your hope in something perfect, you're going to be let down. And that's really disappointing. You're, uh, you're finding us in week two of a series called All In, Pursuing Christ Above All. Um, last week, Pastor Kevin did a great job of setting this up and pushing us kind of where we're going to be going over the next eight weeks after this now. Um, Kevin said specifically, he said, uh, our goal is that our resolve would be strengthened to live the bravest life possible by pursuing Jesus above all. And I'm here to echo that and then push into a little bit more. You see, if, if the top of your priority list isn't in the right spot, then everything that's underneath that is just going to be a little bit off. And you can work hard at fixing these things underneath it, but it's never going to go up the ladder. It's never going to impact the stuff 
that's above that. So you have to get the top of your priority list in order. To do this, we're going through the book of Colossians. And, and today we're going to be in Colossians chapter 1, uh, verses 3 through 12. So you can turn there now if you'd like. Um, the book of Colossians, and, and again, I'm just going to repeat some of the stuff that Kevin said last week, is, is this letter that, that Paul wrote to a church that was going through a little bit of a, a transitional time. They had been something that looked like this over here, and it was changing. They needed encouraged. But, but the thing that I see as I've been studying is that Paul has given them a little bit of an attaboy. He's saying, hey, I want to encourage you where you're at, and I want to encourage you, but I'm also going to let you know that, hey, good job, but there's even more. And I think how many times as a dad I, I, I try and do that with my kids. You know, when they come home and they've improved in school or they've improved at something they've been working on, I want to acknowledge that right away. I want to go right with that and say, you guys are doing great. And then just as quickly as a dad, I want to come back along and say, hey, but there's even more you can be working for. And so Paul is doing that throughout a lot of Colossians and specifically where we're going to be focusing today. But I want you to remember as we're looking at this that we've all had these moments of unmet expectations and unmet hope. And a, a, a lighter example for me was just last weekend. We went and visited my brother and his wife and their family, and they live in Vermont. And we did the TripAdvisor thing to find a place to stay. Um, I don't know if you've had unmet expectations through online booking sites before, but we had one. Um, so our plan was that we were going to stay at a place for a couple nights here, and then we were going to go a little farther away and bring my brother and his wife along. And they had a hot tub, and they had a pool, and the rooms looked great, and we were all going uh, we to meet there, and it was all going to be joyous, I hoped. Um, we were the first two nights, and we went to this place, and, and T and I went and checked it out before my brother and his wife got there, and we were let down. Um, the big thing for us was the fact that they didn't have water in the hot tub. I mean, if you're going to tell me there's a hot tub and I'm going to get excited, there's not even any water. I pulled back the cover for it. There's no, it's just dry inside. So that was the first strike. Um, it had some unpleasant aromas in the room. I couldn't exactly pinpoint what they were, uh, but they were wildly unpleasant. Um, when, when, my, when my kids walk into a room, my kids have no observation. Like, like, they wouldn't know any, but they just walk in, they go, Dad, this place kind of smells funny. Uh, so here we are, and, and so, I mean, we got on the phone and made some calls. We ended up able to get our money, but it doesn't matter. But we changed. But that was an expectation. I was so excited. This place is one of those, like, ski resorts that in the summer just, like, lets people come. It's kind of cheap, and they have really nice amenities and whatnot. Not at all. Not at all. And that was a hope and an expectation that I had that, that, that just wasn't met. And so as we're looking through Colossians this morning in this first chapter, I want you to keep in mind uh, and pay attention to what Paul is saying, uh, what hope does for people, and, and what well-placed hope can do for people. So our scripture this morning is Colossians chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 3. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints, the faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. 
All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing, just as it's been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace and all its truth. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. You know, as I was, as I was studying and, and, and preparing um, for this this morning, in a way, uh, I wanted to stop here and just take off the headset and, and go and sit back down because often what happens when I'm, when I'm studying Scripture, I, I think to myself, okay, here's a section of Scripture. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dive really deep into it. I'm going to uncover all these things, look under rocks, and then I'm going to communicate it so that everybody can kind of get a little nugget and walk away. And then I read this, and then I read it again, and again and again, and I realized I don't know that it can be a whole lot more straightforward than what Paul says right here. Like, I'm not, I gotta be honest, I'm not too sure what I'm gonna redecorate for you and communicate that he hasn't done in very plain English to us, in very plain English right now. And so I gotta be honest with you, I'm not, I'm a little confused as to what I can do to help you out. So what I, all I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go back and just sort of point out some things that jumped out to me because I appreciate so much the clear language that Paul writes with here. The things that jumped out to me, the text that jumped out to me that said, you know what, you've got to get that top priority right, and then you'll be amazed at the things that come out after that. Because Paul's touching on some things that we can all identify with. Okay, so in your workplace, just kind of go there right now, whatever you do, maybe it's you're a mom at home, maybe you go to an office, maybe you do something else. I don't want to project what your workplace is like, so I'll just talk about workplaces I've been. A lot of the workplaces I've been, uh, you don't have to struggle to find negativity. Like, it's just kind of, people are good at it. Like, we're on break, what are we going to do? Complain about the boss. That's kind of a good time, we can all rally around that negative thing. Uh, We're by the water cooler, what are we going to do? Complain about what was in the news last night. Uh, Complain about our spouse, maybe. Complain about whatever else is going on in our life, how difficult this is, how little money we have, how we deserve more, deserve that. You know what stands out? Are those people that no matter what is going on around them, consistently have this strong love for the person beside them and a strong conviction in something. Those people stand out. Like, I appreciate so much people who have a strong conviction and follow it up really close with love. Because, don't get me wrong, if you're really convicted but you don't communicate it to me in love, it kind of just comes across as obnoxious if I could be real right now. But, strong conviction enveloped in love is one of the most incredible things. And then out of that, people who have a positivity and a hope about them, those are the people that I want to saddle myself beside. So what would it look like if we were a church body that was known for that? Now, we're a church body that was known. You know what? When, when folks at Grace Point get involved in something, they just bring this like, strong conviction and love for people everywhere they go. They have this positivity and this hope. And it doesn't matter what the people look like or, or what even process we're doing or what project it is. If you get Grace Point, that's what it's going to look like. 
If you get a Christian, that's what it's going to look like and not somebody who's judging you. Because I don't, I don't know if you pay attention to things that are out there, but I've got to be honest, I don't always hear that back from people. I don't always hear, hey, you know what? I bet you there's a great group of Christians somewhere that will just come and, and love on people. I, unfortunately, I hear the other stuff. I hear that I don't know that I want people from the church coming because they might, they might judge the way I dress. They might judge what I do. But can you imagine if we were the other way around? And as we go back to, to verse 3, and we start kind of systematically walking through it, pay attention to what Paul puts at the top of the priority pole. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus, when we pray for you. Why? Why do we thank him? Because we have heard of your faith in Jesus Christ and of the love you have for all the saints. So he immediately points out two things that they're just super thankful for. We have heard of your faith in Jesus Christ and the love you have for all the saints. And again, there's that strong conviction and there's that love that envelops it. But where does that stuff come from? I mean, because you just don't find that stuff laying around. Verse 5 says, The faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven. Paul's right there. Hope is an incredible thing. Like, it changes your whole trajectory. We could both be in the same life situation. But if we look at it from a different perspective, we're going to act differently. So suddenly now, when you have a kingdom-focused hope, when you have a hope that is looking towards heaven, the stuff that's here, the mucky-muck of the day-to-day -day life, doesn't seem to matter as much. All those things that you might be tempted to complain about don't matter as much because you have this hope that is looking upward, this hope that it says, you know what? Yeah, boss didn't treat me great today, but I got this hope that's bigger than that. Yeah, my, my, my wife and I aren't getting along great right now, but I got a hope that is bigger than that, and God's got something for me at the end down there. Continuing in verse 5, it says, and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. So in other words, not only do you have this hope that is on a trajectory looking towards heaven, but let's be real. This is the essential part of the gospel right here, Paul's saying. Like, you already knew this was going to happen because you know the gospel. You know the good news that is going to change your trajectory. You knew this was going to happen, and now it's happening. And now you have a hope, and from that hope springs this faith and love that is showing to people around you. Continuing, it says, all over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing just as it's been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. Paul's just kind of, again, reaffirming them, saying, hey, good news, you're onto something really neat here, and I, you should be on board because this is growing at a rate incredible. Right now, all over the world, he says. Now, most likely it was just really the Roman Empire, but really that was the known world then. And so what they were saying is, this gospel thing is going to be changing people. It already is. Get on board now, because if people start embracing this different trajectory, if people start embracing this different perspective, real world life change is going to happen. And it's going to happen through hope and faith and love. Continuing in verse 7. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. So Paul's been affirming them, saying, hey, we've been paying attention, we've been praying for you, and here's why. We've been just so excited because we see this faith you have, and we see this love you have, and where does that stuff come from? It's because you have awesome hope. You have hope in eternal life in heaven, and you also have this hope in what the gospel is inherently. 
That's the charge for us too. So if you want to have that faith, you want to have that love that changes people, it starts with this hope. It starts with changing what's the top of your priority list and allowing it to trickle down from there. So that's kind of been the first part here. Paul's been talking about where they are right now. And then he kind of changes a little bit and starts saying, hey, again, here's who you are, and this is good, but there's even more. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So for this reason... Going back to what we just talked about, because of, this, because of what you're doing already in your hope and your faith and your love, we've begun to pray. We just can't stop praying for you, and here's why. We're asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through our spiritual wisdom and understanding. So now, as we start making a list of some of the things that Paul is talking about that, that the church here is gaining, we're talking about hope, we're talking about faith, we're talking about love, and we're talking about wisdom and knowledge. Like, these are things, I don't know how this is hitting you, but these are things that as I read, I think, this is where I need to be getting. Because i got to be honest, I am consistently searching for this stuff somewhere else and coming up empty. Like, maybe you're trying to find love somewhere else, and, and you're probably going to come up empty if you haven't already. Maybe you've put your hope in something else, and, and again, you're probably going to come up empty. And maybe you're searching for wisdom somewhere else out there. I mean, the world's got a lot to offer. Maybe you've been trying it. But if you're searching outside of who Jesus is, you're going to come up empty. And that's why as I read this, I, I, on one hand, I think, this is so simple. Like, I, there doesn't need to be a sermon about this. Let's sit down, let's read it, and on we go. And I get it. In the day-to-day -day part of it, it's hard. Because our eyes stop looking up, and they start coming down to what's immediately in front of us. But Paul is using really clear language to say, hey, I've got some keys for you. Here they are. Go get it. Verse 10. And we pray this in order that you might live a life worthy of the Lord and please him, and in every way bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you might have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. Even more stuff. More stuff that you know that you have been searching for somewhere else. Great endurance? Like, come on. You wake up some days and you're like, seriously? It's Monday again? Like, what would it be like if you had great endurance? This kind of joy that sort of came out of nowhere that has continued you driving towards a, a higher goal every single day. Patience? I have none, if I could be real with you right now. Like, I am just, I am void of patience. Patience is not a virtue that I have. And I've been trying to put practical life stuff in to help me in that area. But i got to be honest, if I'm looking for it outside of Christ, I I'm not going to find it. And joy. Like, we all want that joy, that joy that just kind of springs and is with you. It's not from high to high to high. It's this joy that says, you know what? When I see Derek out in the street... That's who he is. He's this joyful guy. And can you imagine if, if we, as a corporate church, were like that? I mean, I don't think people would be able to avoid the reality of what's going on in our lives if we were consistently living a life that had these sort of attributes to it. I mean, that's what Paul was saying to the church here. 
He's saying, hey, you guys are doing these things and it's incredible. And I know why it's happening. It's happening because you've bought into this idea that Christ needs to be top of your priority list. And now I just want to tell you that I've been praying for you and I've been so thankful for what's happening in your life. And now hang on because more stuff's about to happen. Because we're going to continue to pray for you. That, you know what's next? Wisdom. We're just going to continue to pray that you're going to have wisdom and the knowledge of who God is. No, we're going to continue to pray for you. We're going to continue to pray for you that you're going to have endurance because it's going to be hard. It's not always going to be easy. You know, Kevin talked last week about how there was a lot of other religious things happening in the Roman Empire at this time. And let's be real, it's not entirely different from where we are right now. There's a lot of other ideas, a lot of other plans for life that are out there for people right now. So it's going to take endurance for us to stay the course and to stay kingdom-focused. And so after enduring, what about joy? I mean, Paul's saying right now, we're going to keep praying that this joy is just going to come to you. And I have to imagine as the church read this that they were a little bit overwhelmed because they thought, I don't know if we're going to be prepared for all of this. But you know what? Sign me up. So that's my challenge this morning. What's happening in your daily life that is taking this top priority, which is a pursuit, an all-in pursuit of Christ, what is taking that off the top step? Again, maybe it's something that's happening in the workplace. Maybe it's school. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's your finances. We all have those things. I'm not up here because I've solved something. I'm up here because I, I read it and thought, geez, somebody else ought to kind of know this. Like this, this is that important. So what are those things that are happening? Because if this is our list, if these are the virtues that Paul is saying, we are praying for you and they are going to happen, if that's what's happening, why aren't we signing up for it? Like who amongst us is saying, ah, you know, I'm, I'm good. I don't, I don't need more patience. Got it. I don't need more endurance. I don't need more love or faith or hope. Hope is incredible. I don't, you can never have too much of it. And here it is. Here's this top. Here's this thing. If you're pursuing Christ above all, Paul's saying these are the things that are happening through you and there's more stuff to come. So what do we do? I mean, what, how do we accomplish so that, so that we can start receiving these riches that Christ has for us? Well, you've got to be all in. And, and all in is language that might be hard to understand. What does that mean, Derek? Does it mean that I'm just like, I don't know what it means to be all in for Christ. I have to sell my stuff. What do I do? Tell you what. Look at your life and just put Christ at the top. Make that the most important thing you do. And as you're facing some choices that you need to make as you're going to work, as you're interacting with your spouse, make sure that's the filter that you're looking at. Get to know him. Find out the character of God in a way that you've never pursued before. And allow that to kind of trickle down into your daily decision making. Place your hope appropriately. I mean, I can't stress this enough. It is painful to have misguided hope. You've been there. I know you have. All of us have. In, in a relationship or anything else. Where you said, man, I hope this is going to happen. And you start to move in this direction. And then suddenly you get cut out. And it's worse than it was before. And now you're a little bit lower than you were before. Be careful where you put your hope. And sometimes things that you might think are good can even be the opposite of what is great for you, what Christ has for you. And just be careful of that. Be 
cautious of that because, again, things that we might think are good, as soon as it takes the place of Christ on the throne of our heart, then that priority is out of whack. You know, if that relationship becomes the end-all, be-all for who you are, and it's on the throne of your heart, or that job, or that raise, or the next concert you want to go to, whatever it might be, if that sits on the throne of your heart instead of Christ, you've missed it. And now these priorities are out of whack again. Pray for wisdom from God. Paul says that he's been asking for it in the church of Colossae, and, and, and here's the thing. We have that same ability. Like, there are decisions in life whew, that are hard. And, and, you, and you go and you look at them from, from different directions, and you think to yourself, if I could just figure this out, it would be easier. And, and maybe there's not a clear-cut, perfect right answer. Just drop that off at the feet of God. Paul says that they're praying for wisdom that it's coming. We have that exact same ability. So pray for the wisdom. And as that wisdom comes, then comes this ability to live a life that bears fruit, that grows in knowledge, that has great endurance, has patient and is joyful, and ultimately has the ability to share in God's inheritance. That for me is what I'm excited to communicate to you this morning is you have the ability to share in all that God has for you. And it's this list of all these virtues. But what happens is we get caught in the mucky muck. We get caught in a Monday. We get caught in a Wednesday. We get caught in whatever's going on right here. And we lose sight of what God is doing at the end down there. My prayer for us as we go from this place this morning is that we will be able to focus on the top of the priority list. That we remember to put our hope in something that matters most. And that is Christ and the gospel and what he has done for each of us. Paul recognized that. Paul recognized that as he was writing to this church in Colossae here, that you guys are doing awesome things now, but there's even more stuff that's going to happen as long as you keep this where it needs to be. And so that's my encouragement to Grace Point. My encouragement is good things are happening already, but you know what? There's even more out there. As long as we keep this at the top of our priority list, the pursuit of Christ, as long as we continue to be all in, there's more that is going to happen through us because God has a whole boatload of blessings ready to come your way. And I want to encourage you. I want to be thankful to be a part of you, to journey that with you. And I'm also just excited for what lies ahead. I want you guys to be encouraged. Pray with me. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this, this text that, Lord, jumped out at me as, as clear communication. Here it is. You want faith and love? That springs from a hope, a hope that God instills in you. You want wisdom? Pray for it. It's coming your way. You want these other virtues that come after it, joy, endurance, patience? Use that wisdom that you pray for it and receive from me. That's incredible. God, I thank you for your scriptures and for the way that you clearly communicated then and for what it means to us today. God, I'm thankful for the opportunity to share. Glad to be a part of what's happening in this church over the summer. Thank you for the different men that you've brought to, to communicate this. I pray endurance for this church. I pray uh, properly placed hope for this church and for this community. We are so grateful for what you are doing at this church in our community, Lord. We're just glad to be a part of it.
Thank you for the work that you've done in my life and the lives of people here. God, I pray that right now people would be feeling the nudging of the Holy Spirit to say, I, I need to change that priority. I need to make sure that I'm all in, that I'm not just on the sidelines anymore. I pray that as a result of something you are doing in their life, that they would take a step and reshift and rethink those priorities. Thank you for your love, Lord, for what it does for us. We love you. Amen.